What's up, everyone? I'm your host, JJ Rivera, and welcome to 305 Culture, a podcast where you'll feel the heat. Now let's get down to business and talk some Miami Heat basketball. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of 305 Culture. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Cavalier Central, Knock If You Buck, Daily Thunder, Spanning the Spurs, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, At the Buzzer, and Lakers Fast Break. Plus, our coaching-focused podcasts, Drive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A R. Y-S-E.com. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, JJ Rivera, and welcome to 305 Culture, a show where you feel the heat. Now let's get down to business and talk some Miami Heat basketball. Well, I'm joined as always by my co-host, Kenneth Wilson. Before we begin, Kenneth, how you doing, man? I'm all right, man. I can't complain. As always, I'm here. I'm able to talk a little ball. Uh, can't, you know, ask for anything other than that. Let's go. Yeah. Well, finals. The NBA finals are here. Bucks Suns, just as yep. everybody in their in their preseason predictions said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, it's a fun. Se- it's gonna be fun. First off, let's ra- let me rattle off some facts here. The Bucks are in the NBA finals for the first time since 1974. That was back when they had a guy by I don't know if he. Already went by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but by then he was known as Lou Alcindor, Oscar Robertson, a couple other guys. It was it's, you, you had it a little backwards. It was Lou before Kareem. Exactly. Sorry. Right. It's all good, brother. And in '93, the Suns are here for the first time since 1993. Back their last appearance was, ended at the hands of one Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. Mm, mm, mm. And that bad man, but go ahead. They were led by by Char- by an MVP Charles Barkley, Kevin Johnson, and you know a couple other guys as well. What what are your initial thoughts, man? Oh, and another interesting nugget that I want to throw out before you jump in. No player on either roster has championship experience, meaning that no player has ever won an NBA championship on either roster. But Tory Craig has all but assured himself a ring because if the Bucks win, he's eligible for a ring. And if the Suns win, well, he's obviously going to get a ring. So Absolutely. He played enough time with the Bucks. Now that you bring it up, he makes sense. Wow. Way so, to secure the ring, Tory so Craig. Congrats to Tory Craig, 2021 NBA champion. 
Either way, way you feel me? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's 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 rich. It's like that that season with Anderson Varejao when he went from Cleveland to Golden State and to he, Golden State, and yeah. he was eligible for a ring, and Cleveland ended up winning. Yeah, those 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 kind of things are fun always. So wow. anyway, Kenneth, initial thoughts in the series. Um, it's gonna be a fun series, man. As you stated, basically. Um, in a roundabout way with your facts there. Um, we haven't seen uh, these two teams, of course, together, but we haven't seen these two teams in this situation in quite a while. Um, and as everybody has highlighted, especially with Phoenix, for them to go from, you know what I mean, missing the playoffs last season to in the NBA Finals and looking like they have a good chance to win the whole thing, um, it's a pretty remarkable situation. Also, when you look at Milwaukee um, and them finally breaking through, um, I mean, let's sidebar. The happiest guy in the world right now has to be Coach Budenhauser, Heiser, Holzer, Coach Bud. Either way, <laughs> because, um, look, man, the guy, if he had a lost in either of the previous rounds, um, okay, maybe not so much towards the end of the Brooklyn series, but if they get swept in Brooklyn or lose 4-1 in Brooklyn or would- to Brooklyn, I think he, I think he's fired. I'm going to go as far um, as, as far to say that they lost game five, and had they lost game six, he was gone. Because that game five loss against Brooklyn, I, I'm talking about, that was a disaster. I know Kevin Durant went off. He had a legendary game. <laughs> but, man, the Bucks should have run, run away with that game, and they let the Nets hang around, and KD took him, to, took him home. Absolutely. I mean, the man, I mean, he, he coached for his job and I'm still not going to say, you know, he was great or he was anything spectacular, but, you know, whatever he was able to do over there helped him get the job done. So um, just looking at their situation and them finally breaking through after they've had the two time MVP and such high hopes over the last couple of seasons, it seems like, um, you know, it's fascinating to see, man. Um, I hate that the Bucks are actually going to win one because, of course, the way that they um, I use this word a lot now when I talk about that series, obliterated us. Um, but, you know, I won't let my sour grapes interfere with their good time. Like I said in the beginning, it's going to be a fascinating series with two teams that we didn't expect to see in this situation. So, um, yeah, man, I, I, I'm expecting fireworks. Oh, And, of course, you got the CP3 factor. The CP3 factor can't ever go, you know, without saying that. Chris Paul, you love to see Chris Paul in this situation. Um, for his aggravating, for his nagging, for his borderline dirty, for as <laughs> aggressive as he can be at times, you are happy to see CP3 in this situation with the opportunity to get him one. Absolutely. So, quick thoughts, my quick thoughts on the series. I'm really interested to see how Giannis looks after suffering a hyperextended knee because I think the result of the series hinges on him because I'm, af- I'm afraid to give a prediction because I think with Giannis, the Bucks are, I think they are the better team. And All right. Don't go too far yet. Cause we're going to wrap it up with <laughs> that particular question. So don't, 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 don't do that. Don't you bury that lead. Okay. But I mean, you make an interesting point because I actually can quote myself. Um, and again, shout out to my mom. I talked to her about her gambling habit. Yeah. She, she look, man, I'm bad. I'm bad, but she's a degenerate. Anyway, long story short. So I be coaching her a little bit, and we were just discussing the situation, and I was telling her, like, 
I really can't see Giannis playing until game two. If that knee was bad enough that he didn't play the remainder of that series, I can't see him opening this series, to be honest with you. Because, I mean, here we are recording this on Monday, and that series starts tomorrow on Tuesday. It's like, you know, it really hasn't been that much time. And if he does play, all the better. But I don't think he'll be um, – I don't think he'll be 100% at all if he plays in the series because of the fact that he sat out as long as he did in the last series. But whatever his peak for this series will be, I don't know if he can be that in game one. So you bring up an interesting point where you said the fate of this series hinges on Giannis's availability. Yeah. I mean, I can't see it any other way. I do think I... I'm going to say he ends up playing game one just because he's just dying to be out there. You know, he's not going to. He. Oh, absolutely. You could look at him on the sidelines um, in the remaining games against the Hawks where he didn't play. And, you know, you could just see it in his eyes that he wanted to be on the floor. I say that from the thought perspective of can we steal a game? You know what I mean? Now, don't the Suns have home court advantage throughout the series? Yes, they do. So that would lean towards your thing, and that, that was, was the, the only thing, thing I was thinking might, um, you know what I mean, definitely influence him to give it a stronger, you know, a stronger look at going. So you do have that going for you, man. But, um, I mean, it's a toss-up, but I still just don't know. If, you know what I mean, they may, like I said, man, they're looking at it like, okay, we'll try to steal one and save all our bullets. For the home court, because you know the series doesn't start until a road team wins. Yeah, and but again, 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 the overall point is this: if Giannis isn't on the floor for the Bucks, their chances go down dramatically. I don't think they can win without him. They no, have, they don't I, have I don't a shot. Think, I don't think they can win the series. I think they can win a game or two without him, but I don't think they can win the series without him. No. That means unless he reaggravates that knee injury. I think he just gonna he's just gonna give it a go because that's just how he is. I mean, help! This is our, these are the finals. You you just sometimes you just gotta push through. But considering listen, considering how bad it looked live on TV when he injured that knee, the fact that he has no structural damage I think is a minor miracle. Because I thought for sure he, I, you know, I I was really sad for it. As I saw it unfold, but I thought that he might have damaged something, you know, some ligaments or something in there, but he didn't. It's, it's a hyperextended knee. I know he probably he won't be near a hundred percent. But we have seen guys in this this postseason in particular. We saw James Harden against the same Bucks push through a hamst- grade two hamstring strain, which usually sideline people four to six weeks, and he gave it a go. He was clearly not 100%. So, you know, I think Giannis will do it. But, yeah, man, I I just... Oh, that knee injury was so bad in the, in the, in the moment that I, I just can't see him playing near, nearly to his full strength unless he just... He's just a superhuman and comes back like nothing happened. Now... The other part of this is how how much can Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday carry the Bucks? Because as we saw, you know, in game 
six, yeah, last game against the the Hawks, Drew Chris Middleton was outstanding, particularly in the third quarter, and then Drew in the second half took over after have stru- struggling mightily to shoot the ball in the first half. But both of those guys picked up the slack. Brooke Lopez, he you know going back a bit to his Nets days and working working in the post and and stuff like that. But yeah, on the Phoenix side of the ball, just they're healthy. Unless another COVID situation happens, which we hope it doesn't because I want to see Chris Paul play in the finals. By the way, a great, you know, great moment between him and my, um, Coach Monty Williams. He, Chris was really emotional. You know, 16 years and he's finally in the finals. Massive props to him. Uh, Kenneth, I wanted to mention something that, you know, we have faced the Bucks many times over the last year or so. And I'm not saying that the Suns are the Miami Heat. But we do see, you know, you watch them in the playoffs, Brooke Lopez stays in drop coverage. And if, if, they, if the other guys get past him, you've got either Giannis or in the other case, Bobby, Port- Bobby Portis. Waiting for you at the rim. Now, what's the issue here against Phoenix? They have their elite backcourt of Chris Paul and Devin Booker. They thrive shooting the mid-range jump shot, particularly in those elbow areas. Do you see Milwaukee sticking with the drop coverage? Or do you see them just making an adjustment and having Brooke go up a bit more which opens up a whole other plethora of issues because then Chris Paul is such an adept playmaker in the pick and roll that and DeAndre Aiden then could have a big series what do you think Kenneth based on everything you just said um and specifically noting Milwaukee's tendency throughout these playoffs to come in with the same game plan as um, almost the previous series and make the team that they're now contending with pull them out of that. Um, also combined with the, what you mentioned to close your piece there um, about Chris Paul's ability to be able to find Aiden for those ultra easy baskets. I think that he's going to remain in that under the rim area and make them hit those shots to begin the series. I don't think that he's going to immediately come out to play them um, to give them what I would deem to be the easier shot, like just off the rip. I think that what will eventually happen is he'll have to make a choice, and I think that he'll kind of jab at them more than he'll truly commit because you'll never be able to allow Aiden to feast at that rim and think you have a chance to succeed. And if Lopez ever steps up, not only can Chris Paul, you know, find Aiden with ease, but Booker's also very adept. And dropping that pass off and finding him for an easy bucket as well. So, again, I think Lopez is going to kind of remain in that same under-the-rim, step-above-it area um, to start the series as he has throughout the remainder of the playoffs and make them play him to make an adjustment, which I still don't think will fully be to get out on the mid-range shooter. It'll just be to kind of slow him down until another defender can recover or get that help. Another interesting thing that I'm watching, Mikhail Bridges against Chris Middleton. Unless they put Mikhail on Drew or something, I 
seriously doubt it, but I see he'll be on Chris Middleton too. Too like it's too perfect of a matchup. And plus, when you think about the way Chris Middleton plays the game, he's one of those Steph Curry type guys, except he plays on the wing. And when I say that, I mean he runs a mile to get a shot if he has to. And you want Bridges guarding that because Bridges not only has the length to recover and contend on those, you know, jump shots that Middleton likes to take from all over the floor. But he also has the stamina and just the body type to be able to run around with him and get in those awkward areas to make those contentions for those shots. I was going to mention the body type, the body type point, because, man, they, I'm not going to say they have this, but they're both long, lanky wings. And, you know, obviously. Wiry strong, bro. Exactly. Why, they're not like, you know what I mean? That KD thing. And I'm not going to say maybe to the extent that KD is because he's like the epitome, the peak of it. But it's just like, like you, know, you know, you would, would think, think that, that because they're, they're as thin as, thin as they, they are or thin looking that, you know, they, they will crumble, crumble a bit in certain situations. But it's just like because their frame is so sturdily put together, although thin, you know, that's what wiry strong is. If you lace wire together it's as strong as anything you know even though it's as thin as anything and you know going back to the middleton versus bridges point i'm interested to see how the bucks what actions do the bucks run in order to get bridges off of him and get a booker on him because then if the if let's say you put Giannis as a screener because if he plays, he's clearly going to be limited, as I mentioned before. So if you put Giannis as a screener, then if Jay Crowder is guarding him, Jay Crowder can hold his own against Chris Middleton. So, but that opens up another issue for the Suns if if Mikael Bridges falls on on Giannis. Even then, if I'm Phoenix, I'm taking my chances in those occasions because I know Giannis might not be fully healthy so if he tries to post up bridges or something you can have Aiden kind of go and help and force him to pass out now the other matchup that I'm interested in to see Drew Holiday versus Devin Booker because we saw Pat Bev have uh, some success guarding Devin Booker getting into his face being very physical with him and Drew was very physical in the in the Atlanta series I know Trey was hurt, and you know that that certainly helped a ton for the Bucks. But between the Middleton and Bridges matchup, and the Booker and Holiday matchup, I think that's gonna be something that's very interesting. I'm gonna be watching those those four players up the floor every time because those two matchups are crucial to this series. Because on the Mil- are those the go ahead on the Milwaukee side. Um, just let me finish up quickly before you jump in. On the Milwaukee side, Chris Middleton will probably have to take a lot of shots with Giannis hobbled, so that puts a lot of pressure on Mikael Bridges. On the other side of the ball, Drew Holiday is an elite perimeter defender, as we as it was shown, he's a an all defensive player this season. I believe he made the first team. Going up against an elite scorer like Devin Booker, that's that's some something that I'm really interested to see how 
they navigate that both both you know all four players and how both coaches react to how the matchups started to go and you were going you, you were going to mention something yeah do you think that booker is actually guarded by Drew Holiday because what I tend to think is you put Middleton on Booker and put Drew Holiday on Chris Paul because not only is Chris Paul a scoring threat, but you want to do something to be able to stop his ability to facilitate because that can kill you as a defense as well. And I don't know if they choose to go Drew Holiday on Booker if they have another matchup that can you know stay with Chris Paul. I see it in the Venus that would be putting a lot of pressure on Chris Middleton because he's gonna be he's gonna get guarded by Mikel Bridges. He's gonna be I'm not I don't want to call him the engine of the offense, but he's at least gonna be a probably a one a one A to Giannis's one B in the series given Gian, Giannis's injury situation, and then to have them have him guard their best score on the other end, a guy that draws fouls and is and is very physical playing on offense. That's a very tough that's a lot to ask from Chris Middleton in the I know it's the finals, but I would rather stick with Holiday guarding guarding Devin Booker and probably having Middleton himself guard CP3, which I know isn't isn't exactly great for Middleton, but at least I think it will be the matchup that would put the least amount of pressure on him. Unless you want to put him on Mikhail Bridges and have him guard him and have either a Pat, Pat Congleton or P.J. Tucker guard Chris Paul or, and Devin Booker. Which okay, see that, could, now, now see that presents another interesting scenario. Hmm. That's interesting. I'm interested to see who guards who now, too. Because those, I think those are the key matchups of the finals, wouldn't you say? Because, uh, yeah. Who, who I, I can, mean, I would... Go ahead. Who can, you know... It's just that the Giannis, the Giannis thing has me in this sort of dilemma because I don't know what to say unless the report comes out tomorrow that he's going to go. They'll probably have him as a game time decision, so we won't probably know until right before tip off. So that gives me a bit of pause. Is what I want to say, but I think for sure, the, I, yeah, I'd agree there. I mean, because like you said, if Giannis is playing or not, that throws out the whole. It throws the balance of things in one way or another, but it also changes the responsibilities massively of the Bucks, and then it also depends on how much he can give you, even if he is on the floor. Exactly, but right now I'm operating under the assumption that he's going to play. But there's a very real chance he doesn't play at least game one. So that would be something to watch. With that being said, though, let me ask you this. Let's say that Giannis is good to go throughout the end series from game one. Who's your pick? Ooh. I love the Suns as it has been as I have mentioned before in the pop in other episodes. I think they're a very fun story. I I would be so happy if Chris Paul gets this ring. You know, I have I'm having the same dilemma that I had last season last season in the finals because 
as if you've been listening to us from the beginning. At first, I was a writer for a Los An- for I covered the Lakers for Lake Show Life, and then I also started this podcast covering the Miami Heat. So my heart was telling was telling me one thing, but my head was telling me another, and I'm having the same dilemma this season. Not that I cover or root for any of the te- two teams involved, but I really We're watching you. Yeah, I know the the count the the Miami Heat fan council is watching me very closely due to some declarations that I made a couple weeks ago. But, you know, yep. I, they're... You, you know, didn't get your letter in the mail? We sent you the probationary letter. You didn't get it? I probably threw it away. But Lost in the mail? Oh, you disrespectful. Anyway, continue. <laughs> and... God. I'm going to say Suns in seven. Screw it. To, all, if he all plays, this, I agree with you. All this, I agree with you. Due, if he plays, due to due to Giannis's injury. So if you were fully healthy, you would go with the Bucks, is what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I would I still, still go, go with, with the, the Suns either way, way but with both of our answers being what they were, um, if he doesn't play, then that definitely means that we're picking the Suns. Also, very quickly, can we talk about? Let's just. If Giannis wins the, a ring, and let's assume he wins the Finals MVP, by the age of twenty, he's twenty-six right now. Yes, I have it right here. He'll be a five-time All-Star, four-time All Defensive Play, uh, All Defensive Team member, five-time All NBA, two-time MVP, and a Defensive Player of the Year, and also an, an NBA champion and Finals MVP. All this by the age of twenty-six, and and you know, mm-hmm. this would be. Really weird because what LeBron won his first ring at 27, 28, I want to say. I was just about to say, he still isn't LeBron, but go ahead. No, he's not. I'm not going to say. I'm not saying. Listen, I'm not saying LeBron. I, I just want to make sure you weren't going there, JJ. No. I, just had to, I just had to make sure. But I just had to clean that compare, out of your head. Comparing him to other, to other all-time greats, you know. MJ, I think he didn't win his first ring until he was, what, 28 or 29 as well. The fact that he's doing this so early puts him on a really good track with some elite company. Would you say? I would agree. You can't knock him there, no. Great player, great talent, has the individual accolades to back it up. All he's missing right now is a trophy. And if he gets this trophy, and then he has to continue to win. Um, but if he gets this trophy, that really... As you said, it puts him on the track to be with the elite of the elite company, not just some of the elite company. We're talking at the tippity top of that. And, you know, I don't think the Bucks were getting an all-time great player at pick number 15. So, you know, great pick by, you know, excellent career to Giannis. I love watching him play. And, you know, it still stings that he signed that extension and didn't come with it to us. This summer, but you know that's uh, another. That's another. Another topic, man. That's another, another topic, topic for another, another day. Topic. And you know, listen, I don't want to rain on Bucks fans' parade, particularly my good friend Devin Sanchez of Knock If You Buck podcast, part of the Hoopex Podcast Network. You should check it out if if you're a Bucks fan or just want to know what's going on with the Bucks, the Eastern Conference champion Bucks, I should say. Mm, 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 mm. Rub it in. I'm starting to question your fandom, man. I'm really starting to question your fandom. No, don't. Hey, 
let's let's be careful there. Now, with our picks being made for the for the finals, we both pick Phoenix. Who wins finals MVP in your scenario? Um, it's going to be hard not to go with Devin Booker based on his impact throughout the playoffs thus far. And, you know, for how much they depend on him from a scoring perspective. And what he does is what you see. Like, you literally are able to see his impact play by play because he's the guy, more likely than not, that's finishing the play. He's scoring the bucket. And that's what people are able to readily see, recognize, and appreciate is who's scoring the bucket. However, if you want to put a percentage on it, I'd say 75%, 80, 75%, 80%. But that 20% is reserved for one Chris Paul, who for the guys who actually decide who gets the award, they can appreciate the finer nuances of the game as well. And that's where Chris Paul really excels. Because while he can give you buckets, it's what he allows his team to do at its peak and at his peak during that said peak that really shines and highlights his greatness. Um, you know, if he has a Chris Paul type series, which is one of those where he can come out, give you 20, 10 and six nightly, then he wins the finals MVP. So again, it's like 75, 80% Devin Booker. There's 20% Chris Paul. What say you? In order to be a contrarian, I'm going to go with Jay Crowder as the finals MVP. Wow. <laughs> no, 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 no. All jokes aside, I am going to go with Booker as well. It's just yeah, a, I mean, you have to. You it's have hard to. to argue against. And listen, this award usually goes to the guy that scores the most points. That's the leading scorer for a winning team. There you go. There you there go. You go. That's sometimes... It's sometimes as simple as that because basketball, you know, basketball is a pretty complicated and simple game at the same time. Right. You know, and it's, and it's, and it's crazy because most things is the more you know about something, the simpler it becomes. Right. Can we agree there? Yeah. Basketball is the complete opposite. The more you know about the game, the more complicated it becomes because the more complicated you make it the more complicated you make it and that the more in-depth or the more vantages or perspectives you decide to investigate or look at the game from. And I mainly right now, just to give you one example, if you look at advanced statistics, there's so much to be learned from advanced statistics, but you could spend days upon hours, upon weeks, trapped in the matrix of advanced statistics if you, if you ever decide to dive that deep. But in order to decide to dive that deep, you have to understand what you're looking at in the first place. And the average basketball fan doesn't understand that. What they do understand is points, rebounds, and assists. And that's something that universally us diehards and analysts, other more casual fans, that's something that everybody can understand and can allude to whenever there's a debate or whenever there's a chance to award a player due to his impact. So, with that being said, my pick is going to be Devin Booker. Although if Jay Crowder wins finals MVP, that's going to be something. That you said, said it first, first huh? <laughs> if, if he ends up winning finals MVP, I want everybody to get me my flowers. I want everybody... Now, I will to- tell you this. If Jay Crowder goes Jay Crowder, 
and has to guard Chris Middleton for the duration of the series because, because you know he's going to end up on Giannis at points. With that being said, then he stands a chance. And what I mean by Jay Crowder is have one of those series where he hits five or six threes a game because he can. Well, he can now. Against Milwaukee. He did it yeah, against Milwaukee. No, that, no, that's what I'm saying. He can. Like, I'm no, not. That's, that's why, why when you said it, I mean, I said it was shocked because we're talking about the other guys that we're talking about. But, I mean, it isn't the most mind-blowing thing because he is a defender who may be counted on to guard one of their best players. And he can go nuclear from deep and consistently do it across a five, six, seven-game series if need be. He's fully capable. So, I mean, it isn't the strongest possibility, but it isn't as outlandish as saying Pat Connaughton is going to win it either. Yeah. Although, if the Bucks were to win, I would like to see Bobby Portis win it. I would like to see him smack. Crazy, I was crazy like, eyes will never win it because they'll never give him more than 20 minutes a game. <laughs> However, I would he like, does have an MVP impact. I can't argue with you there. I would like to see him and, just get violent with somebody and smack, and attack him with the trophy. With the, with the crazy eyes? Now, I would like to see this from Bobby Porter. That's him wearing a heat uniform. And if I may take the liberty for two minutes or so to say this, could you see Bobby Portis playing beside Bam Adebayo? Oh, hmm. Not my preferred, not my preferred fit. But why I, not? You could talk me into it. Okay, okay. If, if 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 I get that much from you, which you've given me, then I can work with it because I know that you're open minded and you see the vision. Yeah, I could see it, but I think there are there are bit there are better fits out there um i'll put it to you like this jj you said it yourself earlier we can make 27 but we only have about 20 right now you also have to consider the money and consider the other guys we're looking at bobby porter signed a two-year deal for i think around seven million dollars with milwaukee so it's about three and a half on average per year i think my numbers are correct but let's just use three and a half because i know you don't make much um, he's going to be looking for a raise this year. I'm thinking somewhere between a 9 and 11 range um, he, because he's played He's played that. He did say that he took less money to play for the Bucks, So I don't right. think, I don't so think he'll going, be taking any more discounts. Exactly. So he's going to look to get his money, which I think his market value is going to be somewhere between 9 and 11 on average. Now, there will be a full team out there willing to pay him 14 or 15. But, but I, think I think between, between 9 and 11, 11 is what he should be logically looking. looking. What, what, what do you think? think? The MLE. Non non tax paying team MLE, which would be around nine million, I think. Right, right. Sounds, Sounds about right. right. So, um, I mean, you know, eight and a half, nine, ten, a year or two. I think we can. I think we can do that because that still allows us to play. I think Bobby Portis can be an impact player in the right situation. Our situation just so happens to be quote unquote the right situation where we need him to come in play defense, be big, be physical, be nasty, be crazy eyes, and hit a big three-pointer. I think he can be very impactful in that type of situation and worth the $9 million. Plus, you still have more money to make other moves. That would be my thinking behind it. Now, tell me another guy out there for that money that can have that type of impact, and then you'll completely see where I came from. Because there may be better options, but you actually have to show them to me because this is a real thing and not just a trade machine, which you like to fire up before you go to sleep. Well, I just say, ever since you told me that Kevin Love idea, I've been I've been seeing it in my head, and I think, oh, man. I, I agree. 
I agree, but that's the thing, JJ. He makes sixty million over the next two years, man. That's and what, that's the only that's the thing that frightens the hell out of me. Yeah, and it justifiably so. It does so for me as well because he's what thirty one. I think he's thirty two. Kevin Love. Yeah, I think he might be a little older than that, bro. Hold on, let me let me confirm. But go ahead. Because he, it's just that you know he's thirty two. Yep, he's 32. You know, he's been rotting away in Cleveland ever since LeBron left. And I still think he can be an effective player if you motivate him enough. And he's just a change of scenery, man. You, We have seen what a change of scenery does to players, particularly in Miami and with the, you know, the way that the organization is structured, the coaching staff and the hierarchy. He just kept, absolutely. He just has to come in there and play. And, and I mean, you 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 you're gonna get the best shot that you can get anywhere in Miami because it's infamously, famously noticed and noted that when you come to Miami, you end up in the best shape of your life. Exactly due to, you know, the Heat's famous body fat requirements to participate in right. training camp. And Pat bringing the pincers down. I mean, it's just basically everything you said, man. Just how they run their sales organization. You have to, well, you have to be willing to give us the most so we can get the best out of you in order to get the best out of everyone on the court. Not to cut you off, but just to kind of add to what you were saying. I totally agree. Yeah. So anyway, let's, you know, now that we're here, let's talk about some of the Miami Heat's offseason. Kenneth mentioned you, I asked, let me take the floor, Kenneth, because you were the one that brought this up in the pre-pod discussion, and I, and I want, I don't want to butcher it. I understand that it's all good, brother. So we were kind of discussing on the last episode. Um, aroma has kind of been floating around the heat sphere, for lack of better terms here, um, and it kind of mainly revolves around Colin Sexton. Um, now, personally, and just to put that out there. I'm not bullish on the young bull. To quote the headline of one of my latest pieces for All You Can Heat, where I am the site expert. You know I mentioned that. Um, sorry, where well, I am the co-site expert. We just added a new guy on. Shout out to Jack. Um, and you can check that piece out. Again, the headline was not bullish on the young bull, basically. Um, and for me, I mean, Sex is a good little player, but he's just not right for the heat. Miami heat, ball movement, man movement. Um, Sexton is a ball stopper. He's an ISO player. Um, he's not the most efficient guy, not an assist guy, and he just doesn't fit what the Miami Heat wants to do. Um, he can be a successful scorer on all three levels, which the Miami Heat need, but they need a point guard who can be that from time to time, or at least 50% of the time. And again, I don't think Sexton is that. Now, there has been another rumor that's been circulating around Miami Heatland since maybe the trade deadline of last year, and that's the addition of Kyle Laurie. Now, I do think that's a reality or something that has a great chance to become a reality and something that I'm not only willing to accept but appreciate and want it to happen because I think that Kyle Laurie gives us, even to just this current team not doing anything, let's say you brought the team from last year back, and I'll, added Cal Lowry, of course, and took away a piece. Let me say something real quick. I want, I want Cal Lowry here, too. Continue. I do, too. I do, too. I do, I do. Absolutely. absolutely. I, and that's, that's exactly, exactly what I was alluding to. It's like, 
I think he can be a difference-making piece on this team without adding anything, even though I think they'll do more than that. Um, and with that being said, I guess you guys can already see which way I'm leaning. But to just highlight it again or to you know bring it together and ask a very logical question, when you're looking at both Colin Sexton and Kyle Lowry, um, they're both kind of smaller guards. And, you know, I kind of give uh, a guy that, you know, writes with us over at All You Can Heat, one of my friends, basketball guy I talked to, Rich Nurse, to credit here because he highlighted this for me. Um, they're both smaller guys. And you really don't want those two little guys in your backcourt in today's NBA where guys are already shooting from the logo. Um, and not that you have to be the biggest guy to be a great defender, but you're just kind of shooting yourself in the foot by limiting your length and your ability and all of that stuff. So I guess it comes down ultimately to this. Which guy would you prefer to have? Colin Sexton or Cal Laurie? Even at this point, even with their ages, even with, you know, what you think they might have left, you know, you consider everything, the contract situation and, and what they offer to a team at this point. Ooh, that's the decision that the Miami here are going to have to make if these Colin Sexton rumors are indeed true, which there does seem to be a little, um, you know, a little flame to that smoke. Um, so I asked you that question, JJ, my, my esteemed co-host. Um, if you had to make the decision right now, Colin Sexton, um, with his potential, you know, he's young, you'll have him for the next several years because if you trade for him, you're going to have to give him $100 million or so. Because you can't just give up the assets to make the trade and not give them the extension because that would be stupid. Pat Riley and the Miami Heat and Ellisburg over there aren't stupid. The last thing they are. So he would get the extension. And then Cal Lori. I don't know what the numbers will be, but let's just, for conversation purposes, say the numbers for him will be somewhere between 15 and $20 million per. Um, maybe he takes a discount on the first year to work something out with the promise or the deal actually saying that he gets a nice raise in the second year. But you have to imagine that, you know, the numbers are going to come in somewhere averaging between 15 and 20 per minimally. So, I mean, just think about all those things. Which guy is it, Colin Sexton or Kyle Laura? Well, first off, I want to address something that you mentioned back when, you know, something that you just mentioned about the Kyle Lowry salary. I think based on everything that I've read, the player evaluations – podcast i've been listening 20 million might be lowballing kyle lowry because really yeah i've heard so i've heard some crazy things too man but i can't like is he still a 25 million dollar guy 30 million dollar guy is he still that guy if you really want if listen there are gonna be there's gonna be competition for him namely so so you're saying the, the market is going to raise that rate Namely, uh, you can never rule out the Clippers. They could work out a sign-and-trade to get him. He's, wow. You know, the Mavs have cap space. The Knicks have cap space. He could always go back to Toronto. You, you know. I mean, I, and I've seen all these numbers, and I'm not totally knocking them. I was just trying to be more realistic with it. But, I mean, if you look at it from a, you know, what is a good salary for? I mean, I don't know if he's still a twenty. Now, see, that's when you start to get into the territory of if I really want him for the heat or not. Once you start to cross that 25, you know, 30. That's now, I still, for this conversation purposes, I still take Kyle Laurie over Colin Sexton. But, see, once you get into that 25 and higher territory, which is what I think I'm getting from you with him, yeah. it really starts to scare me, too. Yeah, that's what, 
that's why I wasn't, you know, I'm not necessarily a fan of the Colin Sexton idea. Let me get this out there. I know there were, I wouldn't be opposed to it, but I it's not my preferred it's not my you know my preferred acquisition. I've been campaigning for Kyle Lowry ever since the heat's off the heat season ended and I've been campaigning for him ever since we there were the, the strong reports that he was either headed to Miami or I think it was to the Lakers at some point he was rumored to be headed but Masai and ended up not doing anything and they'll probably lose him for nothing because at this point of his career Kyle I guess he wants to be a, a starting point guard on a championship caliber team now everything all that has been mentioned about his salary what really gives me pause is okay I could give him maybe 25 per for the next season maybe the other season but not for three seasons because he's 35 right now he's a small guard with a lot of miles on his body and his playing style is very rough and tough taking a lot of charges he's been the league leader in charges for some time and you know playing being very physical style brand of, of basketball so what's going on what's wrong with that that those smaller players tend to not age as gracefully and, you know Chris Paul has proven that to be you know a bit of malarkey but Kyle Lowry is not Chris Paul I was about to say Chris Paul's playing style is very different Chris Paul is very meticulous and strategic and you know a lot of what he does offensively even from a scoring impact is based off of the defense's um fear that he's going to pick him apart with the pass Kyle Lowry's going to run right over top of you and then kick it out off of that so it's very different very physical for Kyle Lowry as you mentioned that's what I mentioned Kyle Lowry downhill style likes to go either to the rim very good shooter as well and he's a really good defender but what gives me pause is the money now the Colin Sexton side he's 24 you have to give him big money but that doesn't kick in until next season which by then he's still I mean excuse me he's 22 24 is the uh, number of points he averaged last season <clears throat> but I see what you did there nice 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 he could as Kenneth mentioned, he could be a really good three-level scorer, which is a big need for this team because neither of our two best guys are necessarily three-level scorers. They're elite at what they do, which is defending, getting to the basket. But you need that guy on the floor at times that can play. And creating for your team. You have to include that because I think that's important whoever you decide to bring into the heat. Not only are Bam and Jimmy elite at defending and getting to the cup and, you know, doing their thing in the paint, but they're, but they're both, both. And Jimmy has gotten, I would say Jimmy crossed that territory once he came to Miami and you saw it starting to blossom in Minnesota a bit and more in Philly. But I would say they're both elite at getting their teammates involved. They mean to step on your toes too much. Exactly. There. No, no. Good point. Jimmy Butler, the best passing of his career has been here in Miami. It seems, it seems like his playmaking ability has gone up a level ever since he arrived here. Bam Adebayo, maybe the second best passing center behind 
possibly you know behind Nikola Jokic who might be the best passing absolutely big, behind the best passing big man of all time but ever yeah. absolutely so and and you could and 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 here's the thing bam is great but that shows you how great bam is because it takes a guy who might be the best big man passing ever to be better than him because you know for the last few years, they were saying that, you know, every team is looking for a big that can pass like Bam. And then, of course, Jokey came on the scene. And you even have Nurkic, who has a little bit of ability. But, um, no, I mean, I, I agree with the Jokic is the best big passing in the league. But Bam's ability um, to do certain things off his playmaking with his athleticism is another, you know, is a way that he can definitely take his playmaking to another level that even Jokic can't reach. But he's not there yet. Just wanted to put that out there. He's not there yet. I remember when Marcus Gasol, you know, this is veering a little bit of, off track here, but I remember when Marcus Gasol was the elite big man passer, and he was like prototype. He was the prototype, man, the prototype. You know, and you could see it. He's got a soft touch with his hands. Very tall. He can see the, over the defense. You know, the one where he's kind of holding the guy off with his left hand, and he's holding the ball over his right ear, and then he kind of drops that thing off with a flick of a wrist, the yep. famous Gasol. I've seen oh, it plenty oh, of times. Such a beautiful pass. Such a beautiful pass. Anyway, we veered off track a bit up there. We're talking about Colin Sexton. But don't Sexton. we do that? that? That's what we do. But go ahead. Yeah. Colin Sexton or Kyle Lowry? If Kyle Lowry agrees to a 2 plus 1, Worth around seventy-five million dollars. Whose option? Whose option? Team option. Ours. Team option. I'm just, okay, I just want to make sure we're on the same page because hey. I'm like, well, basically, you might as well give him a seventy-five dollars. I mean, you might as well give him seventy-five million. You know. No, no, no. Of course, that I, I should have rephrased it with a team option. You know, the my the Miami front office loves their team options. Absolutely, because only a fool would opt out a twenty-five million guarantee. Only a fool at thirty-eight years old. Absolutely. Well, that's what I should have said. Cause, yeah. Because the food that outside of 25 is the one that's looking to get 50. Exactly. So, with all that yada yada I mentioned, I'm picking Kyle Lowry. I'm really high on him. I think he fits what we want to do here. We already know he's got a strong relationship with Jimmy Butler. It's been reported that Jimmy Butler is, is Kyle Lowry. Is Kyle Lowry's dog. He's his He's his child's godfather. Exactly. So, you know they are very close. Absolutely. And you're talking about those two bulldogs? I mean, release the Kraken. You're oh. talking about just tenacity on tenacity on tenacity. It's gonna be- if you want to get the best out of Bam, you put those two guys on either side of them. You got, I can see it now. You got Jimmy Butler in his ear on one side. And you got Cal Laurie in his ear on the other side, Which, and they both look like Draymond Green talking to Kevin Durant that time. You know the famous meme. Oh yeah, of course, everybody knows that meme. Absolutely. But that would lead me to a. Can I? Okay, I know nothing has happened yet. Hell, the NBA season isn't even over yet. Absolutely. But if we were to get Kyle Lowry, our leading scorer on the team next season will be Bam Adebayo. You think? Yeah. Pick and roll. I think the pick and roll. Just having those two guys in his ear constantly. It's, and you know, it is, they've gone on the record, Jimmy's gone on the record saying that Bam needs to be more aggressive, particularly against that Minnesota loss. That, uh, I don't, I'm sorry if I brought back bad memories. 
from this mm. from this season. Mm. But mm. you do remember Jimmy didn't exactly call out Bam, but he mentioned it. He said, "Well, we need Bam to be, you know, with in the banging the drum that everybody's been banging all season long." Absolutely, it goes back to that point I made about the Pat Riley comment earlier. Um, I think it was an episode, maybe two or three episodes ago, where I mentioned how Pat Riley wasn't really talking to Spo. He was talking to Bam, but using Spo as a conduit because he knew that Bam um, wasn't ready or isn't, you know, uh, that's not the best way to get to Bam, but he knew that Spo could take it, so to speak. Um, similar thing with Jimmy. I think Jimmy is smart enough to know that as well. So that was his way of nudging Bam. He wasn't being too abrasive, but he was being abrasive enough where he's like, bro, I see you. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So that will leave us with another with another hole to plug in the Heat roster. But, you know, I think we touched on that a bit. We can leave that for next week because I want to talk about our very own Tyler Hero being a part of the Team USA select team that will be coached by none other than Eric Spolstra. First off, congrats to Tyler and to Spo. I think that's going to be a great experience for Tyler. There have been a lot of trade rumors around Tyler. And, you know... I know he basically, since the since our finals run ended, it's been nonstop trade rumors for him. Which basically, I think will event. Do you see him wearing a Heat uniform next season? All right. So here's the thing. I want him to be wearing a Heat uniform. I just want to put that out there. I think as far as him getting traded. Um, and I know my percentages are wanky, and you guys are like, where are you getting his numbers from? Out of my head. But um, it's like 70-30 for me, man. And that's, I think I think Pat Riley and the guys want to do everything they can to keep him around because, look, for every, you know, every little, you know, smidgen of doubt or negativity that can be found in his game, there's, you know, two positives. Because even for everything that everybody had to say this season, he had a better year. Like, he increased his numbers. The only thing, and as I've mentioned this before, is, like, if he wasn't competing with himself from his rookie year, which was a bar that he set way up in the sky, then nobody could complain because, again, on the traditional trajectory of improving from year to year, he improved. To answer the question, again, 70-30. If we aren't able to get some of the deals with the available cap that we have, if we aren't able to get some of the deals done, and aren't able to land some of the pieces or enough pieces where we think we can make an impact with what Tyler gives us, and Tyler is needed as that key or essential asset in order to get the A move done for a impact guy that's important, then I think we do the deal, but only for a sure impact guy. I don't, you know what I mean? And that was my thing with James Harden. It's like, not only did they want more so we couldn't do the deal, it's that if we give up Tyler and everything else, does James Harden alone still make us a contender? So it has to be a sure move, and I think that's the way that Pat Riley and them are thinking. Um, but I'm 70% leaning that he stays because I don't know if there'll be a sure deal out there that you can say, this guy not only makes us a contender, but I'm sure right now by pushing the button, that he gives us just as much of more than Tyler Hero. Because not only do you look at what Tyler Hero is going to do in the future, you look at what he does right now. Right now, 
if this is his floor, he's Lou Williams. Because he can come in and give you 13 to 16 a game off the bench with the quickness. Because what he can do right now is score the basketball. He can score the basketball right now. So, you know, it's just about what you value, man, and what's out there and how the team comes together via free agency. Because if they can get everything done, such as the move we've talked about with Kyle Lowry, bring in one of those mid-level guys to play beside Bam, like Bobby Portis, bring back your Dwayne Dammage, your Trevor Reeves is at good numbers, then I think, you know, you don't have to trade Tyler. You, you don't. But if you can't get any of those things done and you need to find another way to bring in an impact guy like Kyle Lowry, then you might have to trade Tyler. And that's the thing that, you know, might land him somewhere else. Well, I think I don't want to. I don't want to. I think it was Ethan Skolnick from Five Reasons Sports. Always, probably the best guy that's plugged in with the Heat organization out there. He, I think he mentioned that there's a really high chance that Tyler Hero ends up getting getting traded this off season. Right, definitely. That's the rumor. He said that he's. I think he said there was seventy five percent chances that he think he's gone, and I think his league sources said that was a bit low. Um, let me get the exact number so I can quote you. Go ahead, because no, that was an important, um, that was an important report there. Because as you said, if you're looking for a guy that's plugged in or typically has the rumors, um, then it's going to be Skolnick. So you have to take that for face value. I, I can't argue with you there either. So if Ethan, you know, Ethan is a very reputable source, been in this business for years. If Ethan is reporting this. Then I don't know. I don't want to necessarily make like I don't know unless there's something out there that we don't know. There's something brewing that we have yet not that we are not seeing right now. I mean, I will say if you want if you want an indicator that there's something massive coming, look no further than if the Heat like, opt into the team options for Iggy and Dragic, then you know there's something big coming. Absolutely, because they're only opting in to trade them. Exactly, because you can trade them immediately after you opt in. You're not limited by the CBA. So, with that being said, uh, you know, do you want to address the belly rumors? I mean, I didn't expect him to come back. But I mean, I didn't expect him to come back either, but there are reports out there saying that belly might actually be heading back to Europe um, it isn't from the most reputable source and not that it, they're not reputable. It's just that you, you know, we're here and they were in a foreign language and we don't see a ton of reports from them, but it's not a not reputable source as I mentioned either. So you kind of take it at face value and let's just assume that there's something to it. Um, as you stated, JJ, I didn't expect him to be back with Miami anyway. A lot of people saw him as a Kelly Olenek replacement and then never quite materialized. Although I didn't think he would be that. Um, prior to coming over because not only did Kelly give him the literal work in a game against Sacramento once those rumors started, but he just isn't the same type of guy that Kelly is. Um, Belly is a finesse guy at his core. Belly is finesse, and Kelly has a lot of finesse to his game, but Kelly is a power player in that he'll get in the rough and tumble. And I think whereas a lot of people want to separate finesse and power based strictly on your offense – it can be deemed strictly on your offense, but if you do other things, then you have to take that into consideration. And for me, Kelly was more physical than finesse, and that's the real thing that separated him and his impact for this Miami Heat team, which Belly wasn't able to give us. Yeah. 
unfortunate end, you know, good for him if he wants to go back to Europe. Absolutely, man. It's home. You know what I mean? Can't ever knock a guy for wanting to go home. He came over here. He got his time in the league. He's been a pro. Um, he's still one of the best ballers in the world because even if you look at the last guys on NBA benches, they're still one of the top 400 or so ball players in the world. Um, you know, that's more than an accomplishment. And not only that, he was a baller. He played. He got paid. You know, so, he got, I mean, yeah, exactly. He got paid. Had a really you – know, I think he was with – Sacramento, I think it was Sacramento. The, he yep. had he had one season where he was really good. Mm-hmm. You know, good for him. I he, mean, he made an impact in Minnesota as well. I mean, like I said, man, he look don't don't shed any tears for Belly. He got a fat bank account. He's still playing ball, and life's probably good. Oh, life is very good for him. He's doing something that he loves. He gets to go back home. And as he said, you can never knock a guy for wanting to go back home. Home is never, never. You know, we all always have a soft spot for home. So, I think we can end the pod on a high note. Home. Oh man, it's been fifty-eight, fifty-nine an hour already. I yeah. never get tired of you, JJ. Yeah, uh, same here. I never get tired of doing this. So anyway, thank you for listening to a three hundred five culture podcast. Subscribe to our feed on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. If you can also leave a five star rating and a short review on Apple Podcasts, we would really appreciate it. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 305 Culture Pod. You know, Phoenix Suns, Milwaukee Bucks, tomorrow night, July 6, 2021. Let's see how this NBA final series goes and let may the best team win. Thank you for listening to the 305 Culture Podcast. Subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 305 Culture Pod. Wear your mask, keep your distance, and watch the NBA. See you next week.